Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Hey everybody, welcome back. This is episode 25 of Tools for the Toolbox and I have an absolutely outstanding guest today from all the way across the pond, but I'll let him introduce himself. So who are you and what is your military background? Yeah, my name is John Templeton. I'm currently in Australia. I was in the New Zealand military. I was in the army for seven years. Uh, started actually as a tanky firing the, the cannon in the uh-huh. LAV. <laughs> and um i saw the grunts on the ground and i was like i want to do that i want to be in the trenches um so i core changed to the infantry Mm -hmm. and i set my sights on the recon and sniper platoon and worked my way up to there so i was in the recon platoon and then i actually failed special forces selection uh, Mm -hmm. when i went for it i was very young when i did that and then i i I'm quite extroverted and I realized that the clandestine life wasn't for me. So I did my, I did the physical training instructor selection a a year later and passed that and became a physical trainer. And then ironically got posted to the special forces camp as the junior, as the junior trainer. So (laughs) that's my story. That's, that's fantastic. So that was the, the NZSAS, right? Or is it? Yeah. Yeah, man. Those guys are friggin' They're crazy. They're crazy. I thought about special forces when I first got in and I was like, well, it's a little different here in Canada. You have to, you have to have like three years in before you can even apply. And mm-hmm. then once you do the application, then there's a selection and then they're like, and there's a whole bunch of issues with, you have to have your parent unit uh, agree to it. Mm-hmm. And we were like in the middle of Afghanistan stuff. And there were dudes that were like, yeah, I'm going special forces. <clears throat> I'm going to go on tour and then I'm going to come back and then I'm going to go on special force selection. And they were like, no, <laughs> just wow. flat out because they were so short on people and they couldn't They needed the up. manpower. Yeah. So it, uh, it was unfortunate, but I, I never would have passed selection. I really wouldn't have. <laughs> I don't have the physical strength to, uh, mentally, I think I probably could have made it, but I've never been good at pull-ups. I've never been good at push-ups. That's it's actually surprising because I ran all the fitness testing for the unit and mm. some of them aren't that fit physically. Hmm. And I, 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 no discredit because they are beasts but when you look at regular force guys there are guys that are way fitter than the sf guys Mm -hmm. but this isn't generalization this is a a couple of you know yeah i wouldn't say anomalies but it's not too common to get rf guys that would smash all the fitness testing and then sf guys that wouldn't smash it they'd obviously pass it but they're just a different breed yeah like mentally oh yeah yeah all the the sf guys i know are just they're a whole nother ball of wax. Like I was a combat engineer, right? And I, I like blowing stuff up. I'm happy with that. Anytime I can play with C4, I'm down. But the... Uh, oh, that sounds like so much fun. It, it is. It really is. I'll have to show you at some point. Uh, I got to do 1.2 tons of ordnance when we were overseas. And it was a... Uh, blowing up mu- like munitions? Yeah. So we found, um, we found a bunch of... Or sorry, the Americans found a bunch of ordnance that they just randomly was in one of the uh compounds that they had searched and they were like oh you should guys should come and take a look so we rolled in there we're like what do you guys what do you need us for what it, what's this up and they're like well i got about two weeks left in tour and i'm not taking that shit anywhere and we were like yeah all right we'll take it no worries and we went in there and it was like 
six, 66 mil mortars, 82 mil mortars, 88 mil mortars, uh, 100, uh, what was it? The 106 Chinese rounds or a bunch of those, 82 mil recoilless rounds, like really, really bad stuff. And uh, we loaded it all into the back of our lab, like onto the floor. Oh, there was RPG sevens, RPG 29s, which had already been fired. And we're just left on the ground there that just like we're duds, but those are super delicate. And uh, ideally you never want to touch, like if they're on the ground, you don't touch them, period. Like the mechanism of being fired. I don't know. I mean, do, yes. they, do they, obviously, so, is it a firing pin? Is it kind of different? It's a little different. The RPGs are set up with uh, piezoelectric crystal systems. So it is it it's has like a, a little flaming spark thing, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah. So you hit the firing pin in that sets off a charge which cracks like breaks up the piezoelectric crystal which sends a electrical charge beyond or into the into behind the charge because rpgs are heat rounds i can't believe i remembered all this still it's been a while <laughs> <laughs> so it goes in behind the the uh the copper jacket and then explodes the charge behind the copper copper comes forward and it's a heat round anti-vehicle round right but that piezoelectric crystal if it's been fired that means that's been cracked at some point. And if you, uh, it, it basically, if it breaks, if, it sends charge. So if it's been cracked and you move it, it can break right there and just go off. It can, one of the things like your shadow can set it off. So when we're looking at disposal of that kind of stuff, you always, uh, you come in at a certain angle. You don't like, you try not to cast a shadow on it. You try not to move it, all these things. And we showed up and we're like, oh yeah, we'll just take that and pick that up and put a, we put a little bottle over the top of it, taped it on, threw it in the back of the truck. Like, <laughs> like we were moving, like, uh, like a moving company, just like, man, and, uh, I had one of my guys in my section, he was just like, man, if we, if we hit like a bad bump, we're all going to die. And I'm like, yeah, well, we won't know it. Like, <laughs> like it's just, the whole lab is going to be missed. Who cares <laughs> at that point? And he's like, but there's so much. I'm like, don't even worry about that. We still got. You know, the 80 blocks of C4 that are right behind me, plus all the grenades and the claymores and all that stuff, like, we'll either be fine or we won't care. And he was yeah. just like, I don't think it helped him at all, but <laughs> I didn't give a shit that much. Um, anyway, we're talking about me too much. So what... Uh, I want to hear about the explosion. Oh, you want to hear about the explosion? Well, yeah, oh, yeah, I want to yeah. hear. That's we, like uh, stopping before you ejaculate. That's just sorry, weird. Yeah. <laughs> just edging it a little bit, a little bit farther. Yeah. The um, So we drove it out. We grabbed a bunch of other munitions that we had collected over the last couple of months as well. Went out to the desert, dug a big hole, laid it all out, laid a shit ton of C4 onto it. And then uh, I got to pull a pin on it and smoked and... We ran behind, a, we took our lab about 600 meters away behind a mountain, like, or not a mountain, but like a really solid, I don't know if you know what the terrain looks like in Afghanistan, but it's uh, really jagged rocks and stuff like that. So this thing was like, I don't know, hundred feet high or something. It wasn't huge, but we were behind that in the lab and the charge went off and it fucking rocked us. Like we all just like, mm. Whoa. all right, <laughs> that was awesome. And yeah, we went that's out heavy. there and gone, all gone. We were like, that, that's a job well done. So I, uh, I got video of it. I had just enough time to run out and put my camera up on the mountain before we had to move behind it. So I've got it up there and I did, couldn't even find the, the dig site, but I just guessed and I guessed right because it was smack in the middle. Oh man. It was a good hit. 
it was <laughs> and you can like you can see it because we're so far away you can see the uh the shockwave roll through the desert towards you and mm. and big mushroom cloud yeah it was uh it was a that's the the biggest charge i ever got to do <laughs> i think it was the second biggest charge we did on tour uh, in 08 but yeah we uh that was a good day i got some good pictures <laughs> yeah that's awesome man that'll be in my memory for ever ever yeah ever. and and because we got it on video i guess it'll be in everyone else's memory too so yeah. <laughs> i'll you know what i think i'll do i'll add it into this yeah I'll, all right and then uh, that way everybody can see it Uh, so you've done, you became the, uh, the physical trainer for the SAS there. And then, then what? Well, yeah, so I was the junior PDI at one NZSAS and I was there for 12 months. I've, I, I got into personal development in the military. Mm -hmm. I'd started investing in real estate and I started the mindset stuff and I really started to read books and not within the military confines, but like mentally and emotionally, I started to outgrow the system. And so I had people that were sort of in charge of me who were holding me back. Uh, and I know this is super common in the military, right? You have to do courses, you have to do time, you have to suck some dick and you get a position and then you hold that position for a few years. And so I was just stuck. And I, I, I felt myself like wanting more from life. So that's when I, we call it a 717 we put, I put in my paperwork and I mm -hmm. three months later I was I was out so I finished my 12 months there and then left and started my own business well so and is that the same business you're doing now like you've just been running since then or no started man, a few and then... so many and you know some failed some succeeded so that was personal training it was a natural thing to do as a yep. physical training instructor I went into partnership with a friend we ended up having a fight and that broke down and then and two other physical training instructors left the military and asked me if I wanted to go in with them and open a gym. So I did that. We opened a gym together and that's such an incredible story. Like there were three of us with the building we set it up in was actually illegal because we knew nothing about business. So it wasn't zoned correctly. Yeah. We had nowhere to live. So we would live, we slept at the gym when the members left, they didn't know we lived there. So when the members left and there was no, there was no shower, there was no cooking facility. So we had an electric frying pan and we didn't have much money. Yeah, bacon and eggs and baked beans um, on the electric frying pan, and we just put two mattresses on the ground. And there were three of us, and I was the small smallest one, so I slept in that crack where the two mattresses join. Um, and then in the evenings, we would we would use the hose outside to shower, and we did that for about I, I don't know, like three to six months, somewhere in there, when the gym actually broke even in that mm -hmm. point and we started to make money and that's when we started to look at getting our own places to rent and things like that but those first initial four or five months were like very memorable and when i look back i'm like you know we were working as doorman as well at a local bar just to yeah. get some money in to get this thing off the ground yeah. yeah it was a it was a good time that sounds a lot like um pretty much every infantry exercise or engineer exercise i've ever been on <laughs> sitting outside waiting sleeping in a uh sleeping in an old drill hall or something like that and they're like, oh yeah there's no showers just deal with it and you're like all right cool <laughs> so, so after multiple businesses now what are you doing now coaching uh coaching. like like 
it's mindset coaching, uh, life coaching. That would be the, I guess, the context for people to understand. But even that's evolving really quickly. And, and I got into it. I, I got my certificate in hypnotherapy because I realized that I was training athletes um, in fitness and I realized it was their mindset that was actually holding them back. But when I learned hypnotherapy and neuro-linguistic programming, I realized that it was the whole world held themselves back by their mind, whether they lacked creativity, whether they had fears, doubts, it, it all in between the ears. Mm-hmm. And so then I went into more mainstream of, of coaching, helping people um, achieve success in their business and their relationships. Um, this sounds a bit crazy and I don't know if many people will understand or resonate with it, but even, even like health issues, when you, when you really dive deep, health issues stem from emotional issues and emotional issues stem from past trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and that like, I've done some pretty deep work with people around massive amounts of post-traumatic stress, um, not military necessarily, but I mean, I'm working with a guy at the moment who his uncle raped him and his mother raped him, like just massive trauma. And obviously that, that fucks with you real, real bad. Um, oh, yeah. Same as, same as the military guys that have seen some fucked up shit and lost their friends and maybe life can lose meaning. It's, it's like, it is all something that can be, um, can be worked upon, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's just like anything else, right? If you want to be, you want to eat healthy, you have to not only just go and buy healthy food, you have to overcome the habits that you have built eating unhealthy. If you, you know, you want to get, uh, get a degree, or if you want to get physically fit or anything, you have to defeat the habits first before you'll Mm -hmm. make it anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember when I was quitting smoking the, the first time I did it, it was, it was a bitch. But it was more about what I found the the actually time when I actually quit. And I haven't smoked for many years now, but uh, it was the oral fixation. It was the, the thing in my hand, being able to put something to my face. And then uh, once I figured that out, then I was it was the smoking part was like whatever, right? But it yeah, was wow. it's that uh, I think it's that realization of that it's the habits, the bad bad habits that you have to get out. And when you're talking about trauma it's the same thing, right? It's just a, your mind creates survival habits in a traumatic scenario. And so what do you have to do in order to manage that trauma? You have to figure out the habits that you've created that, uh, that you needed to survive at the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a, such a fantastic point to bring home because it is, uh, it's the key, right? Your, your mental state of mind determines so much of your physical output it is uh i can't state that enough but yeah exactly so you get uh you've been life coach for how long uh about four years now four years um and i've run you know run events i've spoken on some big global summits with Mm -hmm. some names that if you're in the personal development space you'll know like tony robbins dr deepak chopra uh who else dr john d martini Mm -hmm. And I, what I'm doing next actually is super exciting because I'm, I'm flipping, I'm flipping everything on its ass. And it's funny before we hit record, you said to me, you need like, you know, your wizard's beard and a staff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm currently building out this, this, it's, it's going to be like a free five day challenge or program, but it's going to be a little bit, it's going to be very creative. It's going to be kind of fictional character based where mm. people come in and we ultimately 
it's called unlock your hero and it's really like unlocking that hero within someone by doing personal development work so it's like hiding a bit of the healing of the traumas a bit of the overcoming habits it's hiding it in like a mystical quest ultimately yep. which might sound a bit cheesy but it's yeah. going to be so much fun and you can dress up as a wizard yeah that, that'd be awesome <laughs> sounds great you know i uh i never really thought about that but when i used to i used to play dnd when i was young and i mean i still would i just don't have anybody to play with right now uh <laughs> but you can really tell a lot about people from the characters that they build because mm -hmm. it's usually that fantasy of what they want to be right so that's such a perfect way to set up helping people <laughs> getting them to just create a character that's fed I, I that's such a great idea i would never have thought to make that as a uh as, as a building moment but yeah and, that is that's fantastic and to be totally honest with you i didn't come up with the idea well i did oh. but i had some um i haven't told anyone this but i had some some like some psychocybin some some mushroom mm -hmm. and i was i was journaling i was just journaling so I, I wanted to do something creative so i was creative journaling and i had some some mushroom and it was that day was like i was on fire and i came up with this whole thing and 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 you know since then i've i've got business coaches i've got coaches around me and all of them are just like this is such a fantastic idea so we're launching in a month or so so that's getting my out getting my outfit and my character built now it's quite exciting that is outstanding i uh you know, when I had a bit of an issue when I first got into the military, I, I signed up in 2003. And this is like, Afghanistan Same is, it is like on right now, right? And people are talking about getting moved down to Kandahar and these all these things. And uh, I went in and I <laughs> did my thing. I did my substance use form that we have to do. And it's like, what have you done before? And it's very thorough. <laughs> and I got to mushrooms and I was like, shit. When was the last time I did mushrooms? Uh, like 18 months ago, something like that. Sure, 18 months ago. Uh, apparently you need three years from any type of psychoactive. So I had to wait another 18 months to get in. No. And, but this is the thing, it actually kind of worked in my benefit was I started my training in 06 and this is Op Medusa was like on. Guys are in combat daily. So through my whole training, uh, every one of my instructors was like, understand where you're going. And we're all like, Fuck yeah. yeah like and so like the dudes that i got to be with were just outstanding because we were going to war and we knew it <laughs> there was no doubt about it we were like you're gonna go like to your unit. basic training was pre-deployment training pretty much yeah so we had i did a year's worth of training to be an engineer so you got your basic sq and you got your uh trades training and then i got to the unit i was there for maybe a week they did a reorg i was uh slated for a tour we started work up the next week and that years worth of work and then i left in 2008 for so it was just like training training training, like, training 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 gone that's like a dream for, really for most was. people <laughs> it yeah. really was uh i tried to get on a second one but it didn't work but the uh so what i was going to say was it's so perfectly timed that you use the word mystical quest because i remember when i was taking mushrooms as a kid uh, we would do these things called mystical quests where we would take mushrooms and then like try and get somewhere. So we'd just start wandering off into the neighborhood. <laughs> we'd never get to where we we're actually getting, but yeah, it's, that's just so perfect that you called them a mystical quest to brought yeah. up all these memories. Um, yeah. so here's a question because in Canada, the transition is a very big point of contention <clears throat> going from military to civilian. There's a lot of dudes that are having trouble and our system really isn't built to do it very well. So how was your uh, transition coming out of 
the New Zealand Army? Mm. It's such a good question, and it's it is it's the same here. People struggle with it. Um, I, you know what? Throughout my whole military career, I never really fully became indoctrinated. Mm. So I was expelled from school when I was sixteen. So I was quite rebellious. Through the military, I, I loved it because it gave me discipline and structure. But I never really got fully indoctrinated so all of my friends were still civilian mm -hmm. on the weekends i wouldn't hang out with the military guys as much i'd hang out with civilians oh, yes. made my transition far easier um and i think what else helped it a lot was that like i wanted to go and do something else it wasn't like boredom it, it was kind of i had already become the person that would have been a great civilian um yeah. and the heart just the hardest thing was standards because we all have really high standards and civilians generally don't that was the hardest yeah. thing but in a way it's a good thing because it makes you if you do want to start a business or do something it makes you pretty exceptional at it yeah i couldn't agree more one of my my big one is timings timings like and now that i have kids i miss timings all the time and it drives me fucking nuts <laughs> <laughs> but you know kids are kids that's what the, they make you late for stuff what can i say so yeah you're uh let's i ask this of everybody if you could give yourself one piece of advice for if you could go back in time talk to yourself as you're transitioning out what would you say to yourself oh so i'm transitioning out i would i would That is such a great question. Like the first thing I want to say is like, it's not going to be easy. That's what I want to say because it really hasn't. Um, but I think it would be more along the lines of like, learn about, learn about the mind and emotions sooner rather than later. Because once you get that dialed in, you have your emotional intelligence dialed in, you become pretty superhuman yeah. um, because then your habits aren't running your life. And that, probably I, it would have been some book it would have been some book like <laughs> you need this. to read this <laughs> yeah it will make sense as you get older that's a that's mm. a that's a great piece of advice because you know i know i know a lot of guys struggle with that especially uh, the longer you're in the harder it is because you become the military right and i was i was an instructor when i got out so i was even like i was More. in that mode right like timings dress and deportment you, you know everything about the, the details the details and uh but to be able to have some understanding like the understanding i have now and the introspection that i can take uh within myself now i wish i would have had that when i did mm. my when i did it because that would have made everything so much easier i would not go around expecting civilians to be following timings and expecting civilians to be you know, when I'm coming down the hallway, get the fuck out of my way, <laughs> that kind of stuff. And that expectation. Yeah. If I didn't have that ahead of time, it, everything would have been so much smoother. Mm, that, is a, sure. that is a really great point. Uh, I've, I've gotten some really good ones too. My last episode was, um, he said, develop, uh, Blah, my brain just died right there em empathy uh, no it was um develop relationships yeah and, and then and then use those relationships don't like uh, don't abuse them but utilize them right if you know somebody that knows somebody cool go talk to them that'll help you with something else because you know especially military guys right we'll give you the skin off our back if you want it <laughs> just like so if for me to say yeah man uh, i know this dude go give him a shout here's his email 
-hmm. that's nothing for us, right? But that being able to leverage those relationships will be able to get you into so many more things. And I was like, again, that's a great piece of advice. Um, so good. Uh, another one that really stuck with me was plan. I've gotten a lot of that like plan, have a fucking plan, just sit down for a day, go, what do I want to do? This is what I want to do. Okay. What do I need to do that? This is what I need to do. And like, write yourself a set of orders and just, okay, cool. Yeah. Bang done. And then you can, you can go back to it. You can rehash it. You can blah, blah, blah. But if you have an actual goal in mind, when you get out, that is far and away I, better for you. I mean, do people leave the military without a plan? Is that a thing? Oh yeah. So that's, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I meant when I said like, I, I knew there was something calling me outside of it. I knew what I was doing yeah. and that made it easier. So I think that if people aren't making a plan, then I think that's probably the greatest advice. Cause I definitely had a plan. So what do they do? What do they think? Do they just go? I mean, a lot of it I think is running. I, I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but the dudes I know it, coming from the areas we're in, we had, uh, it's hard to get into the politics of what it is within our unit, but the um, <clears throat> the 80s and 90s here in Canada, we had this massive shutdown. Every, like all of our military was cut to ribbons. And then so the people that survived in that era were not war fighters, to put plainly, right? Mm -hmm, they were mm -hmm. administrators and they mm -hmm. and there was a very specific, you uh, had to follow a very specific line in order to get promoted, blah, 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 blah. And when we started going to war, like 2006, we were, you know, the, excuse me, the warriors, like they stood up, they were like, all right, it's time to fucking work boys. Let's get to work. And the administrators didn't really like that. <laughs> and so guys would get pushed out. Guys would get, um, I had a particular, a warrant that was awesome. And he was going to go overseas with us. And he wanted to take three days leave on a weekend during an exercise and uh, just to see his baby be born and uh they said no he, we didn't need him right like he's not actually doing any work for those three days he could have easily and it was three hours away from edmonton so it's a quick drive and they were like no you have to stay with the troops and he was like okay well here's my 30-day release and they were like oh shit so he was mm. out gone uh we had guys that came back from tour and realized that regimental life was not like tour life where you if you need something you get it um and they were just like yeah. fuck it done <laughs> get me the fuck out and so there's a lot of um i think there's a lot of pride involved in it, a lot of ego stuff but that's when guys get out early without a plan at all they just kind of assume oh we'll just go get a job i'll do whatever and they don't because stepping in from my experience, at least stepping out of the military role and just trying to get a job for somebody. Different world. Oh boy. <laughs> that's a, that's a step too far. And you know, other guys get, go to school. Other guys, like I had a plan. I went to school, realized that that plan wasn't going to work. Uh, change plans, <laughs> try something else. Uh, that's not going to work either. Okay. Change plans again. I'm still working on it. I'm, I'm sure I'll find something eventually, <laughs> but mm. uh, the, go with the wizard, go with the wizard. Yeah. Uh, maybe I could be that guy. I could just walk around. That'd be fun. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that's, I think a lot of people get out without a plan because they just, they're done. They're, they're okay. tired of all this stuff and they're just like, okay, whatever. I'll figure it out my, myself. And unfortunately Canada is so big that uh, guys will go to like 
you know, Northern Manitoba, which is a 20, 20 plus hour drive from any one of the major bases. So you're, you're like, you leave all your guys, you leave your support system, you leave everything. And then you're in the middle of nowhere, Mm. which is a bad setup to begin with. Right. So it's unfortunate. Anyway, we'll get out of the Canadian military politics for a little bit and move on to the next. Let's get into what we actually were going to talk about today. So you and I chatted and you wanted to, the, you, you said the spirituality really uh, touched uh, a nerve with you. And that's what you really want to talk about. Now, uh, that's fantastic. Now, for some people, spirituality might equal religion or anti-religion, I guess, depending on how you're looking at it. But what's the difference? Let's start with that. So <clears throat> to me, religion is dogmatic. And I heard a great quote not long ago, and it was religion is following the follower. Uh, religion is following, no, religion is worshiping the follower and spirituality is worshiping the message. Hmm. And so to me, I, I mean, I, when I was in the military, I remember I was on an exercise. I was out in the middle of nowhere. We had a campfire going on and I was just taking the piss out of, religious people because i was like ah god's bullshit and i would just and i remember laying into them there's no evidence and that was where i was at then with my awareness and my consciousness and and that's totally cool and then fast forward um to where i am now like through a lot of just learning i just want to learn as much as i can and, and master myself and my life and it's brought me to this place where like everything is spiritual the whole world we live in is made of energy like that's science that's not even woo woo mm -hmm. and that includes us and our thoughts can affect that um and the cia now like the cia have even ran a even ran a uh, like a program using telekinesis and they confirmed like it's all legit this is all real stuff and so it, it gets labeled woo-woo because it's dangerous. Um, but spirituality to me is everything that our five senses can't really see. So our eyes can only pick up the spectrum of light from, you know, red to violet, but then under red, we've got um, infrared and above violet, we've got ultraviolet. And that spectrum just goes on. That's the electromagnetic spectrum. Our sound wave is just a very small bit of sound. So there's all of these energies, frequencies outside of that, which, I'm trying to blend science and spirituality here so people can get their grasp around it. So it's really about everything that's not visible. And in order to really change our lives, if we just base it off of everything we see, like this three-dimensional reality, things stay pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. But when when we when we move into the spiritual space, the the ethereal space, the metaphysical, we can we can really create beyond what is part of our everyday and our everyday senses mm -hmm. and i think also spirituality is it's very closely linked to emotions because emotions emit a frequency you you've if you walk into a room of depressed people the energy i'm sure is like palpable it's like mm -hmm. it's, it's a dark energy like it's not a nice energy you go to a um you know you go to a dance festival you go where people are vibing high it's like great energy. And mm -hmm. so that that is also what I would call spirituality. And so when we um, take control of our energy, it, it's we're, we're then putting out these vibes or these frequencies or these feelings of, you know, really empowered um, or sometimes disempowered. And when, when, when we're in an empowered state of being, you know, you said earlier that 
your friend went to the gym. Uh, I don't know if this was before we started the podcast, but he went to the gym and he just like felt great mm -hmm. because when you, you know, when you move and your energy's moving, you start vibing, but then also your thoughts change because you, you think how you feel. So if you feel angry, you're going to have angry thoughts, mm -hmm. but if you feel excited, you're going to have excited thoughts. And so spirituality encompasses to me, all of this. That's a, that's a really great way of putting it. And I, I, as, as you were describing it, I was thinking like the, the feelings when you are, you know, you're on patrol or you're <clears throat> uh, out in the street or whatever. And you're just like, what the fuck was that? And you won't even know what it is, but you will be like, you know what? I have a very odd feeling. And then my mom always like told me very early. She's like, if you're ever going to feel like that, leave. Like you don't want to be in a situation that you have that feeling. I was like, okay, that makes sense. And you know, on patrol, I'm sure, you know, is like doing, being a recce guy. If you're walking along and you're like, wait a second, <laughs> like trust that fucking feeling because it'll probably save your life. And yeah. the, uh, the other thing is like, you're, you're exactly right. If you go to see your buddies at the bar and they're there and they're happy and they're like, Whoa, Hey man, what's up? You're immediately feel better. Right. doesn't matter. You could be depressed to begin with just their energy alone will bring you back up. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm down. I actually, uh, I did some, uh, Reiki work when I was younger, I was able to actually manage it somehow i don't really remember how i'd actually did it at that point i think i'm too old too cynical now <laughs> to tap into it anymore but the um yeah there's you're absolutely like, not I, you're not too old or cynical the I'm just uh, saying it's there when you're ready yeah it, it's the um it's the acceptance that there is something that you don't understand right and then you just manage with what you have and you i can't uh, tell you this. I don't know how many times I've heard this from people where I'm like, why would you go to a tailgate party? Like you're literally going to just go sit outside of a freaking stadium to wait for your what's game a, to start. What's a tailgate party? I'm, oh, okay. Yeah, so, uh, it's a thing here, kind of in here in Canada and the, mostly the U S though, where, um, before like a football game or before, uh, hockey game or whatever sometimes we'll you go out there in all your trucks and you park you put your tailgate down and people like barbecue and play games and you know just hang out before the game actually starts and then when the game starts everybody goes inside and then they come back out and they keep partying or they go home depending on the you know win or lose uh but i was always like why what, what's the point of going to something like that if you're just going to sit around waiting for the game when you could just show up when the game starts and they were like, it's the, it's the feeling, it's the, the environment, right? It's the, it's the say, that sounds like a lot of fun to me, but yeah, well, I, I, I was be at the time I was being very contradictory. I didn't like, I didn't want to be involved with people in general. So <laughs> yeah, I found I've, I've been there. Be. And uh, I've been there. yeah, I, I was a weird fucking teenager, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, but the, the, the point was the fact that it was, it was everybody else. It wasn't the fact that you're sitting there waiting or, you know, you go to a very high end restaurant, you go for a, you go for a dining experience. And I was like, what the fuck is that shit? That is no, if I want food, I'm going to go food. And then I worked at a four-star restaurant and like, yeah, it is an experience. Like mm. it is like nothing else. And the, the professionalism of working with special forces guys, right. You can just, you can feel it when you walk in the door, you're like, 
all right and you kind of your back gets a little straighter just walking in going all right it's like it's good to work with those people mm-hmm. um now one of the things that i've noticed in the last little while too is there's been this resurgence of call it old philosophies right like uh yoga has become really popular and um what else is there i mean buddhism i think has seen quite a resurgence chinese martial arts have really kind of blown up bjj especially is one of my favorites um and then you know odinism and um there's a bunch more you know what i'm talking about but uh do you think that the the what why do you think there's been such a resurgence of those things because i mean for years it was never heard about odinism before right (laughs) Yeah, so a good question. I I really believe that. So there are two sort of energies, polarizing energies. There's the masculine energy and there's the feminine energy. And like the military is super masculine. Structure, direction, like accomplishing the objective. And then feminine energy is more experience and flow and enjoying the journey. And so throughout history, they've both been there to some degree in and out. But the, the... over the like for our lifetimes everything is like business is very masculine it's like hit targets hit numbers driven and so like like the the best examples if you look at new york city it's like a a masculine energy it's like Mm -hmm. we're all here to do something and then you go to hawaii and it's feminine energy we're all here to do nothing and so all of this this the yin and yang symbol right is Mm -hmm. like chinese and that's that's the duality that's the the like you know the white and the black and the black mm-hmm. and the white and it's these two energies at play and so in 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 life um and everything that's going on around us i believe that more of that feminine energy is coming back in it's like well, what's the point of just striving all the time if you don't actually enjoy the striving and and it's about a dance of the two it's like well you should have goals and strive and you know go to the hockey game but you should also enjoy every minute of it like mm-hmm. a like so a guy called alan watts he's a philosopher and he had this quote which i'll never forget which was you don't you know when you listen to music the objective is not to get to the end the objective is to enjoy the middle mm-hmm. and so i i believe that all of this eastern philosophy is coming because the western is quite masculine the eastern is balanced mm-hmm. and i believe that the eastern philosophies are coming back in again to balance out humanity because it's it's very there's so much separation and and chaos at the moment and and really we just need balance Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i feel that it's all making a resurgence because we're figuring out that just striving and doing all the time isn't isn't the answer um that's my take on it that makes a lot of sense the um i think we've we've been in this cycle i was actually just talking to my cousin about this was that um That I was very happy that this generation that's around right now, the 30, 40 year olds kind of uh, generation, what we've kind of given to the world is, uh, is fitness. And I was, because I, it started this whole thing about like, you think about the fifties and that generation that lived through the fifties, what they wanted was ease because they, you know, they'd seen war and devastation and rationing. They just want everything to be easy. And the sixties came around and it was like, you know, we're done with easy and rigidity now we want freedom and we want experience. We want to be able to do anything like that. And then, you know, have the, uh, 
the seventies where counterculture became less about, I, I can't, I don't remember what I was getting yeah. into that, but anyway, and the eighties were about money and the nineties were about technology and like, look what we can do. And then the two thousands were, you know, people started to get a little weird, but <laughs> yeah. There's um, definitely a cycle and yeah, you, you go, you go. I was just going to say that the, uh, this generation that we have now, like we're, we're bringing fitness. This is a big deal now, right. To be fit. And I think even the concept of being fit is balance because you have to be in order to be fit. You have to have balance in your life. You have to be able to work out. You have to be able to relax. You have to be able to eat right and be able to not and back and forth and back and forth. And, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right that the, we've been in such a very masculine drive over the last while or, uh, goal-driven oriented we need we need this to happen then this is going to happen and now we just we all just kind of want like okay man let's yeah, just yeah <laughs> let's just sit it's back like and relax it's like that feminist the whole feminist movement as well is like it's so masculine it's like independence we can do it da, da, da. and like probably unpopular opinion here but if a, if a, if a female is naturally feminine to force herself to be masculine is not healthy. She mm -hmm. will find herself getting health problems. She will find herself run down. Um, and so there's actually a book, it's called Hard Times Create, Hard Times Create Strong Men. Mm -hmm. And the cycle is hard, you have hard times and you create strong men. Mm -hmm. And then you have strong men, which create easy times. Yeah. And then you have easy times that create, weak, create weak men. men. Yeah, weak men create you, hard times. Hard times, yeah. yeah. And so like, just, yeah, I believe that all that stuff's coming back is it's just part of this this balancing of sort of I'm I'm going to use the word energy a lot, but ban balancing of energy on the planet mm -hmm. um, is massive. And yeah. I wanted to kind of uh, go, go I just, yeah. I, before we were talking about feelings, right? Mm -hmm. And you said you know if you're patrolling and you get a feeling, it's like where's that coming from? I wanted to share just just two stories about that. One of them was have you read the book Stealing Fire? No, I don't think I have. So it's it's Stephen Kotler and his business partner. They wrote Becoming Superman. And it's around flow states, ultimately. But they worked with the US Special Forces on... So there's this new sort of science emerging called coherence. And it's when if I'm... If, I'm, you, if you and I are in a coherent state, we can ultimately read each other without having to say anything mm -hmm. and it's it's you know when you see like a flock of birds and they just move together or a, or a school of fish yep there's no leader they're just a coherent ball that know where they're going next yep. if you if you experience a football team which is incoherence they will just crush their yep. opponents so the military looked into this and were seeing how to get into trigger the flow within the team so they became coherent and then you could just read what people were doing without being able to see them. You just knew it was like instincts. Yeah. And there's a um, there's a company called HeartMath, and they're in the US, and they they set up this this testing protocol where a person would sit with a blank screen in front of them, and they would they would press a button, and the screen would stay blank for six seconds, and then it would show an image, and the image was either going to put the person into a sympathetic state, like or a parasympathetic like relaxed and so it was either like a cuddly bunny or a bloody fire breathing dragon or something yeah 
and the image would show for five seconds, then it would disappear again for 10 seconds and they would press the button again. And what happens is when they press the button and the image was just black, the heart would react. So the nervous system would either switch sympathetic or parasympathetic about five seconds before the image was shown and it was correct every time. And now this test has been replicated and replicated. So our heart has got like 40,000 neurons on it. It's got its own electromagnetic field and it can pick up on things before they happen. Hmm. And, and that's been proven with peer reviewed studies time and time again. So there is, we have superpowers like, and it, they're going to become more common over the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years as people start practicing and playing with them and science can kind of keep up, with up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. That's fascinating. I would, you know, it, there, there's been many times in my life where I have had those feelings and every single one of them has checked out. Right. And so, well, I mean, I'm obviously still here, <laughs> the big one, but the, the, there was a point in time where I was, uh, I was walking through a minefield and I didn't know I was walking through a minefield. This is a, a whole nother story, oh, but, uh, basically the, but the, the point is, is I had gotten to a point where I had to, like, I was watching the ground as I put my foot on it. And just kind of like rolling my foot, looking for any type of disturbance in the dirt that wasn't supposed to be there. It was a bad scene. And uh, I, I apparently had gotten ahead of myself at one point in time. And I put my foot down and I felt something. And I have no idea how I felt it because it's like, you know, boot, foot or boot, <laughs> lo sole, lining, my sock, uh, my foot. But I felt something hard. And I was just like, that's not fucking right. <laughs> and I pulled my foot back a little bit and it was the edge of a uh, Russian anti-tank mine that I had just like, just touched with my foot. I didn't move anything except for the dirt around the edge of it. And I was just like, well, shit. Is, is a human being heavy enough to set off an anti-tank mine? At the time I was. Uh, you need about 400 pounds, depending on the mine. Uh, but I had, uh, I was two, two twenty at the time, and I was carrying the C nine or the the mini me, yep. plus uh, plus my metal detector and my gear, and so I was probably around four hundred pounds, three eighty, three ninety kind of thing, and uh, I would have had to step like right on it. Plus, mm -hmm. but these this is a legacy minefield, so it wasn't actually. What does that mean? Uh, so the Russians, when they were there in Afghanistan, they used to just fly helicopters around and like in dump the nineties, in the eighties, yeah, eighties, and then they just they would dump mines out the side of the chopper, and they'd be like, yeah, we're just gonna, you know, not allow the Taliban or the Mujahideen blanket at the time. mining, yeah, and they would just mine areas, and they wouldn't tell anybody about it, they wouldn't mark it down on a map. Some of them they did, like when they actually physically emplaced them, but the uh, they would fly around choppers and just so there's a lot of. Uh, NGOs that are actually in Afghanistan that just do demining. That's all they do. And uh, yeah. So I realized that we were in the minefield uh, about 50 so odd meters from the edge of the minefield. So we were already inside it. And then I looked up and I was like, shit, that's not good. Uh, yeah. So there, there, it was just me and another guy. It was a part of a whole other uh, ball of wax that we were doing stuff. But, um, but it was like, there's no way I would have been able to feel that 
in my boot. There's no way. Physically, there's no way I felt that. But it was like, yeah, I felt something hard on my foot and I knew it. <laughs> it was like, but I did not touch it hard enough to to get that feeling. So uh it there is little things that you can pick up on if you're if you're willing to listen to them. And I tell that to everybody, like follow your instincts, right? If your instincts mm-hmm. are telling you that something is a bad idea, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Or research it more, or like until you feel comfortable with it. But that it is that mm-hmm. feeling of uh of balance right you can you can be afraid of something but you're like okay i think i can manage that mm-hmm. right but there's times where your body is just like don't no 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 <laughs> you should listen to those things um yes. so the other points that i wanted to get into is i think for vets especially like we really associate uh with uh, last a little while with the uh Odinistic style of life, right? The the Viking mentality and uh, going back to, I, I know a lot of guys that are like straight up into Viking lore and are what I would actually call Odinists. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really cool to get into. It's a great uh, pantheon to kind of learn from, but it really centers around death. <laughs> and I think for a lot of the vets, a lot of guys have been fighting for the last what 20 years now <laughs> friggin uh long 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 wars is that when you come close to death when you really appreciate death it goes two ways you either become really resentful for life and you just hate fucking everybody because they aren't good enough to do whatever or mm-hmm. you become really appreciative of mm-hmm. everything and it is a uh I, I, I just always try to figure out why that is. Why is it that after those really dark, difficult times, we just go to the, those two, at least from my experience, those two areas? Mm. What are your thoughts? Well, it depends how deep you want me to go, but really what, what, we, what we focus on- <laughs> This, and what is, we this is your rabbit hole, brother. Go, <laughs> go to town. <clears throat> what we focus on and what we give meaning to is going to dictate how we feel. So if we focus on our friend dying and the meaning we give to that is life sucks. um, It's not fair. Why him? We're going to feel equal to that, which is shitty. And if our mate dies and we go, fuck, life is precious. Fuck my family mean the world to me. Then we're going to feel the preciousness and the appreciation. So what we focus on and what meaning we give it is how we feel. And our folk, what we focus on and what we give meaning, the meanings we give is based on our beliefs and our beliefs are shaped through, through our life, but primarily when we're young or when we experience a, a significant emotional event, which is, you know, trauma related. So everybody's going to obviously react individually. And the, this comes back to the, to the balance again. I'm like, if you're an Odinist, I mean, I haven't heard of it. It must be a Canadian thing or it's, something. It's from Norse mythology. So like Odin and his pantheon and uh, going to Valhalla being, uh, in order to get to Valhalla, you have to die in battle very well. And uh, you have to be chosen by the Valkyries. And so there's a lot of- uh, and I know Val- the, the seals talk a lot about it, right? Valhalla. Yeah, yeah. and Valhalla is the, the home of the warriors and they are- uh, basically granted eternal life of battle uh feasting and a and uh, mead so it's like you know a soldier's dream right <laughs> you're, you're, gonna go, you're gonna go fight all the time you never die 
and uh, you get to feast and drink your to your heart's content, and then wake up the next morning and do the same thing for eternity, or until the world ends. I've always wondered what it meant specifically, and, and thank you for sharing that. Um, I I think it's unhealthy when it's not balanced. So if that's your only belief system, then it's like you've got a one-way direction. But if you can be open to the opposite, and this is, again, complementary opposites, this is the yin and the yang, this is the spirituality, if you can be open to the opposite, then you see life's beauty because then you can, you can if, if life dictates that you rip a man's head off you can but if life dictates that you love your partner intimately then you you can whereas if you're just a beast and a killer it's like you put that person in a different situation they will not win they will not be you know able to survive Mm -hmm. whereas if you put a lover and a romance person in a war they're also not going to survive so i really believe it's about owning the traits of the greats john d martini says so own you know the greatest lover own their traits like embody part of that the greatest warrior own their traits embody part of that and so when you own all the traits which is you know how i was talking about the mythical program it's based on the 10 archetypes and mm-hmm. and and i want people to embody all 10 archetypes so the warrior is one of the, that's my dominant archetype but also you know there's the lover there's the sage the magician um the innocent which is like a vulnerable person mm-hmm. when we can when we can play into all 10 of those characters in life where we're super balanced whereas if we're just the warrior archetype Mm -hmm. then it's it's we can survive in one situation and that's war pretty much um so i mean i know that's getting kind of deep but the reason i I believe the reason people are either going one way or the other is because through their whole life they've been conditioned and in that moment they make a decision they have a belief which is you know, life's fucked mm-hmm. or they have a decision that's life's precious, but mm-hmm. it's based off of what they've experienced in the past. No, it makes a lot of sense. You know, we are, uh, we are what we were raised to be basically. Right. I mean, you get into a little bit nature and nurture at that point, but if your experiences are violent, then you usually follow off uh, a line of violence. And I think a lot of it is the, um, the ease of it, right. It's what you're used to. Okay, cool. You're comfortable there. If that's, you know, if you're comfortable being a warrior, be a warrior. And uh, I, I've had this discussion with a couple of people about it was the, um, oh, and then my brain just went out again. Holy geez. So um, there's been this resurgence of um, veteran businesses in Canada and the United States, especially. Um, because I think we ha- we have this like, veteran renaissance happening right now we have a whole bunch of people that went to war <clears throat> okay warrior check we're good to go right like and they're mm-hmm. they've checked that box and now they're able to just be creative and we have people that are like making unbelievable knives and other people are starting up uh, apparel businesses left right and center and we got people that are getting into uh weightlifting and um mm-hmm. you know you name it right and i think it's that that same state right you've You've checked off one of the archetypes. Cool. Then you're comfortable with that. I can move on to the next one, right? And the people that really do struggle are the ones that can't check that off, right? <laughs> they just kind of shit. They long for it. They wish that it was still there. But that's a uh, 100%. that's a that's a tough one. I mean, it took me a long time to get over the fact that I wasn't in the military anymore, and just that realization of like this is 
I can't expect everyone else to be military. So I need to change. And that like, that was a, that was a hard one to put, <laughs> to put the check of the box on, I swear. How long did that take you, do you think? Uh, I think I'm still working on it, really. I, I am, I still, uh, I still love, I wanted to be a soldier since I was like six, five, they even actually earlier than that. I have a picture of me when I was, I think I was four, wearing like an olive drab sweater. It said army across the front of it. And I was just like, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, I still struggle with it daily that I'm not a soldier. I really, that's everything I ever wanted to be. And I am appreciative of every second I had, I got to be. Uh, but there were lessons that I wish I had known, which would have made my days as a soldier longer and better and uh, I think more fulfilled. But mm. that's, you know, now I'm finding fulfillment in other things. Like I have this uh, this podcast particularly. Mm. I get to feel fulfilled and help others and still be of service. And that's, uh, I'm good with that for now, <laughs> at least until I figure something else out. Um, so we've been rolling for just a little bit over an hour now. I was just going to ask, do you have any uh, last tidbits of information? Anything burning on you? Not overly. I really mm -hmm. just think that what you've done to like recognize that it's like, okay, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the, <laughs> maybe I'm the common denominator. I'm really grateful that I left the military mentally before I left the military. Uh, some people, a lot of my friends have rejoined back up because yeah. they, they kind of don't know what to do, but I, I like, that's totally fine if that's truly what you want to do. But if you're going back to it, because it's all, you know, I would really say that become more like yeah. you're not, you're not a rigid robot. You have the ability to upgrade your mind, to change, to learn new skills, to learn business, to learn, um, health to learn love to learn anything and i would say step into that like step into your next evolution you mm -hmm. can still you know if someone knocks your door down at home you can still be a soldier and break their face mm -hmm. but if if the, like if that's all you've got then it like it really is on, on us it was on me it's on you and you've recognized it. it's on us to upgrade up level up skill and so i would just say if anyone's listening like step into that because that's the next you Mm -hmm. instead of going back to the soldier you i think that's what really embodies you know success after the military is when you can you can cool man i was a soldier done right like i'm not a soldier anymore i'm okay with that and i uh my last episode i was talking with uh he was saying that you know what there are people that are like fucking they're dangerous well into their 60s 70s right and they are the pinnacle of what everyone would expect to be a soldier, right? Uh, but that's not everybody, right? And if you're out, uh, you're out, man. Like, just cool, move on to the next thing. And one of the best things we ever got from the military is the ability to learn, uh, learn real fast <laughs> and uh, and deal with suckiness. Because Resilience. I think yeah. resilience is my best trait from the military. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's tough, though. I mean we we leave a complete support system and i don't think a lot of us realize it especially the combat arms guys i like we have a hard time understanding that just to be able to do our job takes like eight people mm -hmm. just to even get there and uh I, it's it's kind of funny because there's always this you know inter unit uh rivalries and stuff and but a lot of people hate on supply guys and a lot of people hate on you know the air force and all that stuff but 
fuck the air the air force flew us to afghanistan to do the job the supply guys got us our shit so that we could fight that in afghanistan like yeah we're at the tip of the spear cool and our job is hard cool but it takes we still like, need we need we still we need, need the spear of the spear exactly and once you uh once you leave that and you don't have that support and you didn't realize that that support was there you're you're shit up you're up shit creek at that point i think you're uh, yeah not in a good space but uh you're you're right it, it took me that uh that realization that it was it was up to me right i'm nobody else is coming this is it <laughs> and uh i actually got involved with a couple a uh, couple nonprofit things and charity events and stuff like that just on the fact that nobody else was doing it so mm. i guess it's I'm up to me it. <laughs> yeah uh, i'm doing one now i don't know did i tell you that but i'm doing no. a marathon now no no go ahead I'm doing a marathon in a nine kilo weighted vest, nice. um, raising $20,000 for Project Rescue Children. There are, they go in and rescue children from child trafficking and slavery. Mm -hmm. But um, dude, the, 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 the frustration, because trying to raise money is hard as shit. I don't know how you experienced it. Oh yeah, it's like, fucking brutal. It's brutal. <laughs> people just don't give. And you said earlier in the show, you're like, we would give out the skin off our back. I was like, it's true it's so true it's like whatever you need we come in and we we lay it down for each other i try to raise money and it's just crickets yeah. and i got so fucking i was fuming frustrated and you know it, learning again common denominator like yeah. what am i is there something else i need to learn to get better at fundraising but yeah that's that's been my experience did, did you how did you go like oh, man it was uh, uh it was a tough one. I especially I don't like asking for money. That's the big one. I don't I don't like doing it to begin with. So to to then especially uh, you have to go online, right? Like you have to put it to the world basically and just like yep, I need money. Somebody help me out. Like just the idea of that was so challenging. But uh I do you know what an OODA loop is? I don't. Uh it is how it's a decision making paradigm so it's like you uh you observe you orient you decide and you act and then you observe what happened and then you orient on what you need to do and then you decide what you're going to do and then you do it and then you observe the next thing that happened and they use it in uh, the air force a lot because how fast you how fast your OODA loop is determines how quickly you make decisions which is how you win dogfights what's uh, it called an OODA loop o-o-d-a OODA loop Okay, Uda. Observe, yeah. orientate, decision, Decide, act. act. Yeah. Okay. And it, I mean, it's used in shooting. It's used in uh, all, 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 you name it for uh, military applications. But I like to use it in my everyday life. I actually will take a step, take a step, and like, what do I need to do? Right. Mm -hmm. What's what is the environment like? Okay, I need to raise money for a veteran organization. Whatever. I need to figure out how I'm going to do that. Okay, well, how do I do that? And then and I use it very succinct, uh, very rigidly to get me to a point where I can make a decision on, do I need mm. to call on a professional? Do I need to, you know, jump on YouTube? Do I need to talk to somebody else that has done it already? Um, and the, f the more I do it like that, the faster it becomes over and over and over again. So that uh, when I came to, when it came to fundraising, I was just like, well, the, really the only thing I can do is go online 
put up a video and see what happens. So I did. And uh, it was one of those fuck it moments. <laughs> Just like, mm-hmm. see what happens. And uh, turned out really well, got some good support. And then I was like, okay, well, I could do another video and then I can, uh, you know, go talk to these people at this location. And then I started walking to stores and I was like, hey, you know, we need this for this particular event. Could you help us out? And they'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Here you go. So That's it was a lot of door knocking, like straight up walking into, uh, we need the signs for one of the walks that I was doing. So I walked into a printing store and I was like, Hey, I, this is what the walk is. This is what we're looking for. Could you help us out? Maybe give us 50% off or whatever. He's like, no, I'll cover it all. You're good to go. That's so cool, dude. So, but it was just that, like, uh, it was, fuck it. I'll just go to the very beginning. I don't know anything. What do I need to do this? Okay, cool. <laughs> it, uh, it was one of it, like, especially as a, uh, an instructor, when I was teaching drill, I would do that. I'm like, in order to make a left turn, you have to pivot on your left heel and your right toe. Then you're going to bring your right leg to 90 degrees and you're going to hold it there. Good. And I tell them to do it. And they would just, and be like, that's not 90 degrees. That's not 90 degrees. And you know, they would always question it. Like why, why it doesn't, if it's one fluid motion, why do I need to bring it and stop and hold it? And I'm like, because it looks better. It's the details, right? It's those little things. And especially in life, I hate drill. I fucking love drill. I don't know. <laughs> Everybody hates drill. And I don't know why. I love that was it. the it, best thing about the special forces camp. No uniforms, no drill. It no. was just the best. <laughs> I, uh, no, I, I love drill. It was, uh, the precision of it. Like just, if you get drill, right. Fuck. Does it look good? And, yeah, it does look good. And it feels great. Like when you make a solid turn with 60 people and all the heels hit, just boom, and the entire drill hall echoes. And you're like, yeah, I, uh, I love drill. Anyway, when I was in basic, my, uh, my drill instructors were, <laughs> they were, they were kind of comical, but uh, they were, I, I was asking them for extra. I was like, so how was it? Did I, did I make that step? Yeah. Right? Was it, was it quite, you know, did my knee come up high enough? And uh, it always reminded me of what drill was from. Drill was invented for combat, right? Step-by-step unit cohesion from the uh, Greek phalanx, all that good stuff. So I was like, yeah, dive into it. Let's do it. (laughs) I had a blast Mm -hmm. doing it. Uh, And I blast uh, calling it too when I was an instructor. That was was a lot of fun. I I jacked a lot of people up (laughs) because drill was like my your passion i can feel it oh, already yeah, like right? no doubt We're across i, I want to do, do drill now it's wicked i actually have this story um little sidebar here but it uh <laughs> one of the one day one of my recruits made a very lackluster dismissal and i was just like Mm-mm, that ain't happening my on my drill hall and i went over there and i jacked the living shit out of him i was like if you're gonna call drill fucking call drill and we need to be able to hear you on the other side of the drill square so call it properly or we're gonna have extra friggin drill practice blah 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 and uh he would you know it was it was louder but it was still kind of you know dismissed right i'm like you son of a bitch (laughs) it's like so no we're gonna have remedial drill training command presence training on a saturday hooray for mass corporal pearls right and uh So we started this up and uh, on the, the next morning and I got one 
person to stand out and he's going to be the drill commander. And I'm like, I'm going to march them all the way over there. And then you're going to fucking tell them what to do from here. And so from a hundred meters away, right? This guy's yell at the top of his lungs, left turn, left turn. <laughs> they can't hear him at all. And uh, I show them how easy it is. Like when you get really good at calling drill, you know, it's a, a diaphragm work, right? And you can just belt it. And uh, he was still trying to yell it. There's a whole science behind it, but uh, I, I made my lesson longer than it probably should have been. We were out there for a couple hours, but just, jumping between people like, okay, now you're going to call drill. Now you're going to call drill. So they all understood. Mm -hmm. And uh, apparently my base CO was having a party at the officer's mess that I didn't realize, <laughs> which in the officer's mess is right off of the drill square. You guys are just yelling your heads off. And, and we're just screaming at each other. Right. And I'm, and I'm jacking them up from the center of the drill square. Right. And it's like, you better do your fucking shit. Right. And I'm just, yeah, it was uh pretty hilarious. So that the CO had to send over the adjutant come he, and he came over and he's like masquerade burles do you understand <laughs> there's a uh a party going on by, by the ceo and i was like oh i'm sorry sir i didn't realize and he's like okay well just try to keep it down i was like roger that sir i gave him a high five and he walked off and i turned around and i was like listen up you little shits we have to be quiet because the ceo is like <laughs> and uh they were it, it was quite the laugh the see i could see the ceo right he the, his whole party started laughing their ass off but uh it 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 was quite the thing but the the big thing why drill was so important for me was that uh when we were standing in formation at the unit our first introduction to our platoon commanders was when they were called in on parade and you could immediately tell the the amount we called it a gaff a give a fuck factor you could tell that that guy's gaff was either very high or very low. So when a new uh, platoon commander came in or a troop commander or a new sergeant, a new warrant, uh, anytime we had to do drill, you could tell whether that guy How gave sharp they were. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was, so when I was churning out recruits, I'm like, your drill is going to be fucking awesome because that's the way I'm going to train you to do it. And, uh, they took to it quite well. Once we did the command presence training and they understood of how to call drill and why to call drill. And they, they actually took to it quite well and they started calling pretty good drill, but I'm a nerd. What can I say? <laughs> I love drill. It's so much fun. Uh, and it's hard. That's the other thing, like to mm -hmm. do it really like when you've seen the Marine Corps silent drill part man, that's hardcore, right? That's fucking sweet shit right there. Or, uh, the, the changing of the guard in front of uh, Buckingham palace that is some clean drill too right like it, it is uh yeah it's one of those things that i just i really love i don't know why i'm a, i'm a little bit of a geek anyway we've rambled on for quite a while i really want to thank just uh thank you for 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 being here and chatting with us this is uh there's some really really great points that we're going to be able to to pass on to everybody that's willing to listen i guess and uh yeah, I just, I can't thank you enough. It's been a blast chatting with you. <laughs> you got me telling all kinds of stories. I'm going to have to edit some of these out. <laughs> no, keep them in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I can't thank you enough. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, if anybody wants to follow you or know more about you, where do they find you? Uh, I mean, at John Templeton official is my handle everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, you know, LinkedIn, but may uh, YouTube, but mainly Instagram. John Templeton official. Wicked. Okay. Well, thanks again, brother. And uh, I can't, Thank uh, you. I can't wait to, to have you back on again at some point because this is just so much fun. <laughs>
I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo.